Welcome to the New Day Community Church Sermon Podcast. We hope you're encouraged by this message from the Vandalia, Michigan campus. For more info, look us up at newdaycommunity.org. It's wonderful to be with you all here this morning. Um, My husband Bill and I are New Day pastors, and we were ordained back in August along with the McKees, and we primarily care for New Day Nichols, just like Pastor Mark uh, is your primary on-site pastor. So it's a special treat for us to be able to be here this morning with you because it's, it's, it's a little more rare now that our focus is there. Um, but it is all about grace at New Day right now. We're starting the year with a six-month focus on grace, and it has been awesome. We are learning that um, grace is an attribute of God. And actually, grace summarizes and sums up all the attributes of God. It's his generosity displayed, poured out for us. And we see that a benefit of grace is unmerited favor, unwarranted favor. We did nothing to deserve it, and it's given to us. We also acknowledge that everything we have is a gift of grace. Life, our minds, our strength, speech, our, our, uh, our uh, families, our community. This is all expressions of grace from God to us. And um, I was praying and asked the Lord, what do you want? What do you want your people to know about grace? And just listening to his voice. And he said, um, we must process grace with our spirit person. Because grace is actually a foreigner to this fallen earth. So if we try to understand it from a worldly vantage point or just engaging our mind, we're going to miss it. Because it's a supernatural, it's a spiritual phenomenon. Our, our spirit person has to be the one to engage and ingest grace. We're all body, soul, and spirit, right? We're made up of three parts. And so I just bless your spirit person this morning to rise up and ingest grace this morning. So how do you know? How do you know, New Day, if you're getting it? We're we're talking about grace. We've talked about it for a couple months. We're going to talk about it for a couple more months. How will you know if you're getting it? Well, this is kind of like a little self-test, the effect of grace in your life. You'll know if you're getting it uh, because you'll be humble. When you, when you encounter grace, there's this humility that comes over you where you realize, I don't deserve any of this. So there's going to be this sense of, of humility that comes over you. I didn't put this on the slide, but love. You will, you will feel loved. You're going to experience love to a whole other level than, than you had before because, wow, God, I didn't deserve it, but you gave it anyway. So you're going to feel God's love and know it in a deeper way. And also, you're going to be powerful. When you really get grace, it empowers you, grace, uh, to be a healthy, growing Christian. Okay, so these can kind of be some, is that helpful? A little self-test, am I, am I uh, being influenced by grace? All right, so this month we've been looking at grace in the Old Testament. You've heard about Jacob, you've heard about Jonah, Gibeonites, those were all great sermons, right? Yeah. And today... We're going to look at Samson. I'm, I'm, I'm really looking forward to this message. His story can be found in Judges chapter 13 through 16. And I have to tell you, I have heard this story all my life in Sunday school. How many of you are kind of familiar with this story? 
If not, that's okay, I'm going to go into it. But I, I heard this story all my life, and I used to think each time, Samson, don't do it. Don't tell her. Just, just don't tell Delilah the secret of her. She's going she's gonna to try it. You know, it's not a, a mystery. Um, but, but I just, I always felt like, okay, there's something else I'm missing in this story. I'm not willing to just say, oh, Samson was an idiot. I just didn't think that that was all there was to it. And so I just, as with anything that's not settled for me, I just kind of keep it as an open item before the Lord and say, will you, you know, speak to me about this? And so as we started really focusing on grace, um, I, I, I feel like I have a revelation about the story of Samson. When I look at his story through the lens of grace, and I see that, that it was Samson taking grace for granted that, that caused the outcome of his story. So I'm going to teach through the story of Samson this morning, and we're going to learn that grace is too valuable to take for granted. Say it with me. Grace is too valuable to take for granted. Amen. Okay, so his story takes place in the time before Israel, before the Israelites had kings. Okay, they, don't have, they don't have kings over them yet, but it's after they've, uh, Moses and Joshua have brought them into the promised land and they're beginning to occupy the land and beginning to uh, defeat the enemies and, and, and take the land. So there's this period of time it, where they get there and before they have kings... And, and Israel just kind of keeps going through this cycle of this, you know, God had given him these rules and laws, obey me, follow me, you're going to have blessing, right? He told them that. Well, then they would sin, then they would go into bondage, then there would be some repentance, and he would bring deliverance, and then there would be a little bit of a time of peace, and then they would sin again. And so it, you, we just see this kind of cycle in the Israelites again and again. And, um, and so, so what the Lord would do is to bring deliverance, he would provide a judge, he would provide a leader in Israel. This would be like a military, political leader um, and um, to, to bring that deliverance. And so the Lord had delivered them into the hands of the Philistines at the time of this story, they were in the hands of the Philistines because as a consequence for their sin. And, and, and the Lord um, chose Samson to be a leader in Israel. And he was chosen even before he was born, even before he was conceived. He, he's given a gift of supernatural strength. And so this is a perfect example of grace upon Samson. He had done nothing to deserve its fa this favor. He, he hadn't even been born yet. He had, you know? And so it's a complete expression of grace, of God just pouring out grace, not only upon Samson and his family, but all of the Israelites to bring them this, uh, to begin delivering them from the hands of the Philistines. <clears throat> and so an angel appears to Samson's mom and gives a few rules. Um, <clears throat> so she said, so the angel is like, no cutting his hair. Um, it, the, the verse says, um, you will conceive and give birth to a son. No razor may be used on his head because the boy is to be a Nazarite set apart to God from birth and he will begin the deliverance of Israel from the hands of the Philistines. <clears throat> And so to be a Nazarite, Nazarite means consecrated one. And so, um, 
So this, this, this set apart unto God, and it was common. We, in number six, we can read about what the vow of a Nazarite was, but pretty much an Israelite would, would, would choose a period of time where they would be specially devoted unto God. And during that time frame, um, they would leave their hair uncut, they would drink no wine, eat no grape, grape products, and they would avoid any contact with any dead bodies. And so this is kind of what was required to be a Nazarite, and you would be specially devoted to God during this time. Now, um, Samson's case was really unique because his vow was intended to be a lifetime vow, a lifelong consecration to the Lord. So that's a unique thing about Samson. Another thing that's unique about him is that he was a one-man army. So all the other judges of Israel led armies against their enemies. Um, but Samson fought alone. And um, so we see this grace upon Samson. Here we have um, his first act of mighty strength. We're going to just look at some examples of how this gift of grace played out in his life and, and see how um, this grace upon him was, was executed. So, so um, here's, I, I've got, I have some illustrations for you from... Um, actually, Micah's Action Bible. So, so it's like a comic strip Bible. Do you guys know about that? So it's great for kids like ages like 7 to 10. It's really fun. Anyway, so Samson it has decided that he wants to marry uh, a woman from Timnah. She's a Philistine, and he's going there. He's like, Mom and Dad, let's go. I want you to arrange it. I want to marry her. My mind's made up. Um, and so on the journey, he gets attacked by a lion. Now, most people, when they get attacked by a lion, they die. Not Samson. He just simply rips the lion apart with his bare hands. What? <laughs> but, I mean, that is, that is crazy. But that is uh, the grace upon him, this supernatural strength. Then, this is, this is another example of his of him using this grace gift, this mighty strength. He, um, so he's got this woman that he is planning to marry, and, and a lot of things happen in that. I'm not going to go into all the detail, but um, she, <clears throat> he leaves the wedding feast. This, this, he leaves the wedding feast really upset, and um, finally, when he calms down a couple weeks later and he comes back, well, his father had given her to his best man. And so he is irate. Why would you give my wife away? He's so mad. And so he gathers up 300 foxes. Um, that's kind of interesting how you do that. Um, and, and tied them, took them two by two, tied them tail to tail with a torch and set them loose in the, in the fields and the crops and destroyed the Philistines' crops. So, so, not, so it's just like this retaliation going on and this anger. And so he's mad about his wife being taken away. So he does this. They're mad that he's just destroyed all their crops. So what they decide to do is burn down the, the home of his, who used, his wife and her father in their home, and, and they kill them and burn them down. Then he's so mad that they burned, that the Philistines burned them down, 
that he, it says that there's a great slaughter. He just goes on this revenge streak and just kills a bunch of Philistines. Um, and so he's just kind of using this, this, this strength to just, uh, you know, accomplish his uh, retaliation. So, so there's all this that happens, this back and forth between him and the Philistines. So he actually goes to hide in the cleft of a rock. So he's, he's alone in a cave, no family, no friends. He's, um, I, I, at this point, I actually kind of feel sorry for Samson. Like, it's just kind of sad. <laughs> Maybe it's like the empathy or something, but I'm like, oh, this is, this is kind of rough. But um, there's a quote that, um, a com- of a commentary that I read I'm going to share with you that I think really sums up this this part of his life. It says, God used all of this to advance Israel and redemption, yet because of Samson's disobedience, it all happened at great personal cost to Samson. It's fair to suppose that if Samson were obedient, God would have furthered his plan in a way that blessed Samson. So, so God's plan is bigger than Samson, right? So he's still, even though Samson is sinning, He's not getting any personal blessing, but God is still using it to fulfill his purpose, which was to bring the Israelites out from under some of the oppression of the Philistines. But man, Samson, if you had done it God's way and you're honoring to him, you could have had some blessing in your life. So I feel bad for him, but anyway, his choice. Okay, so so he's hiding. Samson's hiding in this rock. He's, He's hiding out. And the Philistines, it, right, it's their turn to get him with this kind of back and forth thing. So they come and they're like, they tell the Israelites, give us, give us Samson. Um, and, and, or we're going to like, you know, we're going to kill you. And so they're really afraid because uh, the Philistines have come and said, hand him over. And um, so they, the Israelites go to Samson in the cave and they say, um, what are you doing, Samson? Don't you realize they are rulers over us? Don't you realize the Philistines are ruling us? What are you doing? And so this really shows the state of the hearts of the people in Israel, that they um, were so much under this oppression that they would rather please their oppressors than you know, support their deliverer, the one that God had sent. And so you can kind of see where their hearts are at. And, and so Samson kind of doesn't have a choice. He's like, either all my people are going to get killed or, or I get handed over. So he says, all right, will you promise me you won't kill me? Just tie me up, hand me over to them. Don't kill me. And, and they're like, okay, we won't kill you. So they tie him up, give him over um, to the Philistines. And he's before them. And this is another crazy part of his story. He, he just rips free from, from all of his, his ropes and his restraints. He just rips free, and then he but conveniently located nearby is, is, is his weapon of choice, <laughs> which is a, a fresh jawbone of a donkey. He's like, that will do. So he picks that up and begins to uh, just defeat and destroy all 1,000 of the Philistines with a jawbone of a donkey. Look at that. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yes. So, 
So after all that, he is exhausted. And so he's like, oh, now, now I'm going to die of thirst. And so um, God provides water for him. And, and so that is just another expression of, his, of this great, mighty strength of his grace. He's just able to get out of every bind. A thousand to one odds, hmm, that doesn't matter. You know, he, he can always get out of any, any bind. Okay, so then um, here's another one. A little while later, after the, the jawbone experience, um, he, he spends the night in Gaza with a prostitute. Every time he goes near the Philistines, he seems to have a, a moral sin, doesn't he? Okay, so... So he's in Gaza, and he's, he's spending the night there with a prostitute, and, it, and it's nighttime, and so they lock up the city gates, and um, they're like, we got him. He's locked inside. Because like, all the Philistines want is to get him, because they can never seem to get him. He always is able to get away, and he's so strong, and, and so they're like, we got him. This is going to be good, and so they get ready, and, and, and they say, well, at dawn, we're going to kill him. But he gets up in the middle of the night and decides he wants to leave then and sees that the gate is all, you know, locked. And... But that doesn't stop him, right? A thousand to one odds, doesn't matter with Samson. He just goes right up and tears the whole gate, gate free. Bars and all, posts and all. He, uh, he rips it right out. He's like, I'm ready to leave, so I'm going to leave now. So he just takes the city gate with him. And, and no, he doesn't just cast it aside. He carries it around for a while. The Bible says he carries it to the top of a hill. It's not even downhill. It's uphill. But Samson can do that because he's Samson. And he has the grace of God upon him. And um, so just another expression of, of how the, this gift of grace just kind of played out in his life, this, this supernatural strength. And so here's just... Some of, all, uh, some of the mighty acts of strength that he, uh, that he did that, that just kind of built him up he, and, and gave him confidence that, oh, I can just get out of any bind. Well, then his con- story continues. It says, the Bible says, uh, sometime later, he fell in love with a woman from the Valley of Sorek. I'm sure you can guess. That's a Philistine city. Um, and her name was Delilah. <clears throat> and and they, they obviously had a relationship, and, and Samson loved her, and the Philistines saw that. So they're like, okay, maybe this is our angle. Maybe this is how we can get him. So the rulers of the Philistines come to Delilah and say, see if you can lure him into showing you the secret of his great strength and how we can overpower him. Um, we'll give you a lot of money for it. <laughs> And she uh, obviously loves money a whole lot more than she loves Samson. And um, so she agrees. And um, so she is uh, saying to Samson, tell me the secret of your great strength. How can you be tied up and subdued? And she just is relentless. She keeps asking and asking and nagging and nagging him. And um, eventually he tells her, well, if you tie me up with seven new straps of leather or something, then I'll, I'll be as weak as any other man. Um, and so 
A little while later, when he's fallen asleep, she does that. She ties him up, and she's like, the Philistines are upon you. Wake up. They weren't, but it was just their game or whatever. And, uh, and so he just breaks free, of course, because that wasn't the real reason um, why he had strength. And um, so then she's all upset about that. And she's like, you lied to me. You know, you don't love me. And, um, and so it's just this, this kind of, just this ugly situation where, where she just keeps asking and he keeps, the first three times he tells her lies. He doesn't tell her the real reason. But we see that he, instead of him breaking off this relationship with Delilah, because she was obviously showing her true colors here, he allowed it to break him. And that's why the Bible says, flee youthful lust. God provides a way of escape when we're tempted. We, we can't linger in the environment. If we linger, we will eventually bend and, and, and it will break us. And so, so, so he stayed in the presence of that deception. He stayed there and ultimately he gave in. Um, and he, he tells her, well, if you cut my hair, I'll be as weak as any other man. And so um, she's like, oh, this is the one. And, um, and so she puts him to sleep in her lap and um, she puts him to sleep in her lap and then calls the Philistine hairdresser to come in um, and, and, and shave off his seven braids. And the Bible says, and Samson begins to weaken. His strength left him. I wonder what that would have been like. Did he start to get like smaller? I don't know. But he begins to weaken. His strength left him. And this is the key verse from our sermon this morning. Then she said, Samson, the Philistines are upon you. He awoke from his sleep and thought, I'll go out as before and shake myself free. But he did not know that the Lord had left him. Samson finally had to reckon with his rejection of God's grace. He finally had to face it. The grace upon Samson had lifted. The Holy Spirit had left him. His hair was cut. His hair was the symbol of his consecration to God. And it was the pledge of God's favor to him. And it was now gone. See, he was so accustomed to getting out of any bind, no matter how big. No wonder he toyed with Delilah. No wonder. It was a game to him. He never knew what it was to not have the gift of grace. It wasn't even in his realm of understanding. It wouldn't have been a possibility. He would have never considered it. Why would you, if you're able to just rip a gate free if you need to get out of somewhere, or you just use a bone if you need to kill a thousand people, why would you ever think, oh, I couldn't get out of this one woman? You know, and so, so, so um, he had lived in compromise. He'd, he'd lived in taking grace for granted for so long that he, I think he thought it wouldn't make a difference. You know, and maybe he misinterpreted the delay of God's judgment as a sign that it was okay. 
you know, that, that can be quite common. Well, maybe it doesn't really matter because, you know, I, I, I'm a, kind of allowed to keep doing these things. Um, well, it wasn't okay. <laughs> but, but we see in this God's purpose was bigger than Samson himself, and God used him despite his sin. And that's common with God. Romans 6 says, Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means. We died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? And so this verse speaks to that. Like, because of grace, that doesn't mean, oh, okay, let's, let's sin. Um, having grace and sinning doesn't even belong in the same equation. There, it's, sin is dead. And so, um, so just to kind of continue his story, so Samson is then captured. Um, his eyes are gouged out. He, he's, just, he's finally having to reckon with his misuse of grace here, and he's made to grind in the prison doing the work of an animal. So all, all of his sins that felt like freedom at the time, because sin is really bondage, right? That's what the Bible teaches us. It felt like freedom at the time. Well, it's really bondage, and so it leads to bond. He's in bondage now. He's in prison. He has no freedom at all. He doesn't even have the freedom to see. He's blind. And, um, and, and so this is just a low, low point for Samson. The Bible says, but his hair began to grow back. So there is hope even in the midst of this dark situation for him, even in the midst of prison. And you can see the picture there that his, his hair is growing in in nice little patches. Um, and so, so, there, so there's hope. So now the Philistines are going to have a party. They are so happy. They finally were able to capture Samson. They're, they're so happy they're going to have this big party. And um, they're, they're honoring their false god, Dagon. I don't know how to pronounce that. And, um, and, and that's what the whole party is about, to say, our God is stronger than the God of the Israelites because we were able to capture Samson. And so Samson's actions not only harmed himself, but they caused others to give glory to false gods. And that, I want to go on a bunny trail for just a minute. Because often, how many of you, I'm sure you guys have seen this, often the disobedience of God's leaders, or even if it's not a leader, the simple acts of Christians lead others to deny God. Right? It's so common for people to deny God because of Christians who've acted sinfully. And I just want to say that our mission field, the people that we're, we're reaching, are full of people like this. How many of you know somebody like this, where they're choosing to reject God because they're pointing the finger and saying, well, this person said they love God and they did this. Da, da. So I encourage you, because our mission field is full of people like this, look for an opportunity to apologize to them on behalf of Christ and say, I'm so sorry this happened. This is not God's heart. You know, even Christians still sin, and that, that, that was wrong. And look for an opportunity to apologize to them, and also look for a way to lovingly remind them that at the end of their life, they're going to have to stand before the Lord alone. 
They're not going to get to take that person along with them to have somebody to point the finger at. They have to stand alone before God. They're going to have to say, I rejected you. So I just, I just have a passion for that, that, you know, just like Samson, his disobedience caused all these people to glorify their false god, um, that, that that same thing can happen, and we want to we speak truth to, into that situation. So anyway, back on track. Uh, Samson was brought out at the party. They're like, we want him to entertain us. Bring him out, bring him out. Perform for us. Um, maybe he did backflips across the stage, or I don't know, maybe he juggled. Um, I don't know what he did to perform for them. I'm sure they mocked him and ridiculed him. Um, and this is my favorite part of the story. One of my favorite parts, as you can tell, I kind of like this story. Um, Samson says, Lord, grant me strength one last time. This is the first account of him praying genuinely. He says, okay, let's read it. In Judges 16, 28, Then Samson prayed to the Lord, O sovereign Lord, remember me, O God. Please strengthen me just once more. Does that sound like a man taking something for granted? No, he had a complete heart change. He said, let me with one blow get revenge on the Philistines for my two eyes. Then Samson uh, reached toward the two central pillars on which the temple stood, bracing himself against them, his right hand on the one, his left hand on the other. (coughs) Samson said, let me die with the Philistines. Then he pushed with all his might, and down came the temple on the rulers and all the people in it. Thus he killed more when he died than while he lived. So this is this first account of him genuinely praying. He's, for the first time, he's connecting with God about using his strength against the Philistines. You see that? And, um, and he's acknowledging that it, it came from God. And and that it's a gift from God. It's something to value. For the first time, he's valuing it because now he knew what it was to not have it, right? He, he, He saw that grace is too valuable to take for granted, our main point today. He got it. Um, And as soon as his heart was there, what did God do? God was right there to receive him as soon as Samson turned his heart towards God. So um, God grants his request. God answers Samson's prayer. God pours out on Samson in the form of supernatural strength, his grace once more. And Samson pushes the temple down. And it says uh, there were 3,000 people alone just on the roof watching so I don't know how many people were on the main level. But anyway, a lot of people died along with, with Samson in that. Um, so there, is, there are two things that we can learn from God about grace through Samson's story. The first one is that a very dangerous but easy response to grace is to take it for granted. Um, a good thing for us to be on guard against. Grace is a free gift, but it's the most costly and valuable thing. We must know the worth of grace 
and cherish it as a most treasured possession. Because if not, we'll cast grace aside when it suits us. We'll say, well, oh, I can just repent tomorrow, or I'll just repent on my way to church on Sunday morning. I'm just going to sleep with my boyfriend tonight, and I'll repent tomorrow. I'm just going to gossip. This, this conversation is too juicy to refuse. I'm just going to go for it. And, and I'll just repent later, you know. Or um, it's been a really stressful day, a really stressful week. I'm just going to get drunk. You know, uh, it, it's taking grace. I don't need to spend time with God. I don't need to read my Bible. I, I'll hear a Bible story on Sunday morning. She's going to talk about Samson or something. You know, I don't need to do my own time with the Lord, you know. And so we want to be on guard against taking grace for granted. The second thing we learn from God about grace through Samson's story is that God forgives and restores even despite our miscare of grace. He always responds to repentance. Always. Now, sin still has consequences, Grace doesn't mean all consequences are removed. Okay? Samson still died. That was a waste of a great potential of of a life. Imagine if he judged Israel in an honorable way. The Lord would have been able to bless Samson as well as further his purpose to set the Israelites free. He could have lived a long life judging Israel. You know, it it could have been totally different. But even if we take grace for granted, we can still turn back to God. Um, and, and I love this part. Samson is listed in the, he is listed in the heroes of faith. Um, in, in Hebrews chapter 11, it says, Samson, whose weakness was turned to strength. That's talking about the last moments of his life. Those last moments of his life is what got him into the heroes of faith and that hall of fame of faith. Isn't that awesome? And, and, and so in the, in, we just see that God, God will respond. He, he will accept us back, and it's a beautiful thing. So those two things, a dangerous but easy response to grace is to take it for granted. And if we've taken grace for granted, we can turn back because he will always respond to repentance. So those are two things I want to highlight. The, the last thing I want to highlight is, just like the Israelites, we are all in need of a deliverer. Samson was one man full of the Spirit sent to set the Israelites free from oppression. Well, guess what? God sent Jesus, the deliverer. He was one man full of the Spirit sent to set us free from the oppression of sin. Where Samson fell so short and failed in a lot of ways, Jesus is the perfect deliverer, grace embodied. And and Jesus died on the cross. He paid the price we owed for our sins. He exchanged his, his holiness for our sins and died for our sins. Then God raised him from the dead, and Jesus is alive today, still delivering people still delivering us. He's offering us life. He's offering us relationship. He's offering us eternal life rather than eternal life apart from him because that is what our end will be if we don't accept 
his, his gift of grace and, and respond to his uh, desire to deliver us from the oppression of sin. That is grace, right? So your takeaway today is when you are tempted to devalue God's grace, I pray you won't because you'll remember Samson. You'll remember what I shared this morning and you'll conclude it's not worth it. It is not worth it. Grace is too valuable to toy with. Grace is too valuable to take for granted.